sun goes over the wasteland as far as the eye can see. Sand fills the vast plains of Circland, its vultures jeering at me, but they can circle until they drop dead. I have not come this far to end, but to pursue my own thread to join. The Barangi and Gars of glory and of might Red has fallen, black has night Lies of honor as we must be For the king of the green Welcome to another episode of Anatomical Precision. I'm your host, Mike the Dog Klein. And I'm Chris Schlegel. And I'm Richard Pacifico. Oh my god, we have a guest who went back for back-to-back episodes. It's a miracle. Woot. It'll be gone by next episode. Yeah, sorry, Rich. (laughs) You can't make it for three. That's just impossible. Uh, All right, so what are we going to talk about today? Uh, there's There's been a lot of cool news and models out. Um, we're going to talk about some of those, specifically looking at the Falconers, um, and maybe briefly touching on the Hunters and just getting our thoughts, um, in some other news, two of us, Chris and I were, uh, selected to be on the USWTC teams, world team championship teams. So we're going to talk about our hype for that. And then our main topic today is going to be thinking traps. Uh, and I'll explain what that means and how does it affect your go ball play. So, let's start off. Any notable recent games, fellas, since last time we talked? I don't think I've played a game since last time we talked. I it know, was, uh, I feel the same. It's been finals <laughs> week, so. <laughs> yeah, I haven't I haven't played either, like, at all. I've been building. I got my, my rookie window in, so I built that and just started to prime that and plant the paint in a little bit that's about it yeah i'm uh getting ready for a wedding so i haven't played either yeah. <laughs> it's a busy month yep 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 all right well let's let's talk about them new players we saw some uh we've seen all the falconers at this point uh especially if you were uh, on the Guild Ball Facebook page or in the Discord, and you saw the leaked uh, pictures from after that very v- m- minimally informative uh, streamed game from Steamforge, where they showed like a quarter of the stats and were deliberately vague because they thought it was funny. Um, but yeah, but then the the actual cards came out, so now we know all the players. What do we think? Hot takes. Yeah. Hot takes, they're cool. Um, I don't really have a whole lot to add to that. They're going to be your standard killy team, sort of, but with a little bit of range, not quite the range of engineers, but they can put out a lot of damage at range. And uh, they get plus one to kick off. So, you know. All right, well, since since your your takes were relatively lukewarm, uh, would you say they? You think they will be um, competitively 
competitively viable and what i mean by that is not like can you play them in a tournament because obviously this skill ball you can play any guild um do you think they will be um in the running for like mid-tier or better competitive guilds will they be towards the top will they be at the bottom um how much better will they be than rats it's gonna be tough to say because right now i feel like the mid-tier is very like cramped and really tight and so there's not a lot of difference between the top of the mid-tier and the bottom of the mid-tier right now at least until i like recalibrate myself but they are going to be better than rats, I think, just because, like, all of their players are usable. Um, and no, uh, uh, what? How do I say it correctly? Um, no bow and saw. They don't have to worry so much about ball recovery in the way that rats do, due to the way that they're designed. I don't think they have the same weakness of like their strength also being their built-in weakness so uh-huh. i don't think they're as hard countered by things and that's going to be their strength mm. okay okay um i do know interestingly they have really bad tackles other than icaros and uh oh yeah they definitely and do Hearn. like really bad that kind of that makes the airmail a little bit more sad, but still good, still good. All right, uh, Rich, what are your thoughts? Have you looked at it at the Falconers? What do you think? Um, so I, I took a look at them uh, as they came out, and I saw earlier today some of the other. I like the way they look. Um, I, I just like the jank. I'm not good at pulling it off, but I really do like it. Um, I agree with Chris where I think they are better than rats uh, off the gate. Um, I think they will be a mid-tier team, um, and I think they'll be somewhere towards top of, of the middle tier. It, it'll be interesting to see, because I think they can pull up some good stuff, but, uh, you know, like I said, they you just got to practice with them, and, and hopefully, hopefully I come come out correct. I'm probably end up going to end up playing them for a little bit, because they seem interesting. I really like the models, and uh, I mean, why not? It's not like I'm tied down to a team. There's no rats 2018 for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so for me, I think yeah, I think they are potentially like uh, in a way in the black kind of in a similar place to blacksmiths in some ways in that they do some things really well and have some really powerful abilities. However, they um, have some very clearly designated weaknesses and um i think it will be an interesting balance what i did see though from the steamforge game and no no offense to steamforge players obviously they're just learning how to play the guilds themselves and you know stream games those kind of stream games are always never like like the best play they're kind of just done to show off uh the the models um but what i noticed was even when things weren't going right for the Falconers player, I saw all the potential of had he chosen some, you know, actions differently, how he could have just deleted a couple of models. Um, like Devana could have went in and potentially deleted Vet Decimate and put a lot of damage onto uh onto Tapper potentially. But yeah, it was it was 
kind of crazy how what, like even without good setup great setup how much uh the the machine can kind of get going and how much damage they could put out so i think it's gonna be cool they're like a super butcher team that's like even more fragile and has to do kind of weird things to hit all their damage but uh i think they will reward they will be rewarded by players who can like put together the right like kind of combos but i don't want to say like combos in like the way that brewers do where it's like i put a buff on a model and knock a model down and gang up and then that those things will be good too but kind of putting harriers and spots that are threatening models but also within you know able to be moved around um allocating so that minerva can get work to do setup but also keeping you know keeping as many models as you can from uh from dying quickly since all your models are super super fragile yeah i'm excited I, you, I really like yeah, how they're. Uh, I really like how they're set up. Uh, it's not like as telegraphed as the other ones because of how far, just how far you can move a three-inch AOE when its only restriction is within four inches of itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you can set up. You can set up uh, Devana by setting up other players. Yeah, totally. You put down, um, you put down over the course of the turn three Harriers, um, and really you only need one to actually be on the model that you want to attack. You so you put down three Harriers on different models. You maybe do some damage and do some things to them, and then Devana goes and chooses you know a model that is still under one of the Harriers and attacks that model, and then moves the other two Harriers over to that model. Um, and then, you know, continues to attack that model and probably kill it. But yeah, like it's, it's, it's cool. Cause if you put down, if I put, if I put a Harrier on one model, a Harrier on another model and Harrier, Harrier, like in an area where a model wants to go, um, even if they like eventually move out or try to get their models out of the range, I could, you can move them around. Um, and you only need to have one model still stuck in it to be in big trouble. So pretty sweet I just also, looked at the back of her card it's pretty lethal with the way you can move it death from above and legendary and everything's like within 6 inches that's ridiculous Yeah, I mean so Devana's ideal scenario um, is that she I mean even I guess even better if she has last light on her then she can do this even easier but her be- her ideal scenario is um, f- having three Harriers down, one over the model that she wants to attack. The other two can be over other models. And that that's like what I was trying to get at, that you can um, kind of um, pick and choose. So let's say you have two models that you don't mind attacking. Put a Harrier over each one, put one Harrier on each of them, and then put another Harrier somewhere nearby. Um and even if they are able to move one of those models out, then you just attack the other one. But yeah, so her ideal scenario would be um, she makes three attacks using death from above, um, and after you know moving um, uh, using deadly wings twice to move uh, 
the Harrier AoE. And then she throws throws the legendary play down beforehand too to get the three damage snare to literally kill any. But yeah, if she can do a situation where she catches like three or four enemy models in the legendary play, then is able to make those three attacks, she can probably, especially if Frelsie's actually in there, but either way I think she can uh she could do a ton of damage. Just delete a model. Maybe even maybe even two. Yeah. Yeah, it's so. going to be pretty fun to do that. And then, I mean, then if you go into them, then, well, now she can just attack you in melee without spinning the hair and, you know. So it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see what kind of counterplay there is, especially once you've actually already activated a model and now it has nowhere to actually move out, no way to move outside of the Harrier AoE. Like people were saying, though, it is interesting that Devana is like one of the captains that most, I think it's probably the captain most in the game that always wants to go last. Like, I mean, not that there aren't situations where you can go, like, if Frelsi is engaging a model and you can just walk into it and start doing a bunch of damage, sure. But man, she, total different character. But if, <laughs> if you have to go attack five and just walk into a model and start attacking it that's so much different than what she can do if she gets set up so pretty yeah, definitely a late turn sweeper mm-hmm. and i actually think i think uh you'll probably be depending on the team but assuming you were just going with the base box and no no nothing different um i could see you putting out i could see basically um Minerva going in kind of first um, doing some setup starting to get beat on uh, then you throw Rundas in there to kind of do you know maybe put out a dirty knives put out another Harrier um, get some more damage in because he has the fantastic playbook and he is slightly tankier than he's not tanky by any means but slightly better than some of the other models that getting hit uh and then you just hope your models aren't dead quite yet and then uh you go in and do you just drop the bombs so yeah i'm excited for them they they look like they have a fun play style um what do you guys how do you guys think uh this will the you know we've already seen matagi and minerva we haven't talked about them previously but how do you think um their inclusion will uh where does that bring the hunters how you guys what are you guys thinking about them it's gonna really help the hunters in the fisherman matchup at the very least because now like theron already had good answers to shark but Mm -hmm. they lacked good answers to corsair i think Mm -hmm. um now, with damage buff on an AoE, it's going to be hard for Corsair to exert the pressure that he did before without, like, dying easily to Theron or something. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, yeah I could see that. Uh, Rich, and, I mean, think? that's a that's a, really re- that's a really prevalent match, too. Like, fish are a popular <laughs> guild to play. You gotta have a fish matchup. So... Rich, what do you think? I think uh, without talking about specific matches, I think it definitely raises the hunter stocks uh, a lot. 
this is you know the the damage buff is something that they greatly needed and uh i mean this minerva scary dude she is scary i mean so i don't like i just want to see it on the table i'm i'm not great at like theory crafting and stuff like that but to see it across on the table if if i can think about it if i can craft it out in my head then that means that it's pretty fucking deadly and so it'll be interesting to see it yeah i'm i'm, I'm excited it seems like i'm looking at just the lineup that i would probably want to play as the probably the first lineup the most common one which would be theron fahad jkar minerva minx and zarola that just seems like such a good lineup <laughs> you have it's it's pretty wild that they w- just went from uh over the course of two months they're going from a guild that could take one maybe two uh if you really don't like influence uh two inch reach models uh to a team that can easily take three two inch reach models and all f- feel really good I think I think the only problem that that the hunters are gonna have from here on out is is fitting the models that they that they need in their ten. That's probably the only issue. I don't think they have problems fitting in in their ten. I think their six is hard, but um, I mean people may disagree because and, and I'm by no means a, a hunter player, but um, I'd see the six that I just said, and then I would put Hearn for seven. Um, if you want to play Skatha, I think Theron could probably just play Solo Captain. But you know what? I like Skatha. She has a cool model. So that's eight. And then you have two more slots. And there's definitely... Uh, you want Matagi in there. That's nine. And then there's... You have... Let's see. So Ulfur probably won't see much of any play. Any, uh, not that he necessarily did. People always Vet love Minx, playing... Vetminx. Uh, Vetminx Yeah, she was already in there. Mm-hmm. Um... Okay. Probably definitely won't see double Hearn as often or at all. Um, I guess you could. So I guess you could probably still. You would play like Egret or something like that. Um, I know some people like other stuff, but I don't like the bear. Uh, it is not good. <laughs> so <laughs> um, controversial opinion there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think they can fit that. I mean, I think they definitely have more choice. They have choices to make now. Before it was kind of a, they were in that kind of situation. It's like I don't care what the tenth model is because I'm probably never going to play it. Um, but now, yeah, they actually have some some choices. It's not a hundred. I don't think you will see all the same models in the in people's tens. But yeah, it's pretty exciting. I'm. I, I, I agree with that. Yeah. I'm excited for them to be to be a super combat. I, I like the fact that I actually have to seriously think about hunters instead of being really excited every time I see hunters across from me on the board. <laughs> um, so yeah, cool. Moving on. There is this uh, thing called WTC, and so what uh, is the US WTC Mike stands for uh, World Team Championship. Uh, it is originally uh, started with War Machine. Um, actually, I think it grew out of some kind of Warhammer tournament or something like that. I could be wrong. But anyway, the WTC has been a, a War Machine tournament. This is the second year that they are doing Guild Ball. Uh, last year, we sent three teams. I um, 
had qualified for the team last year but wasn't able to well qualified <laughs> uh jordan knock and uh alex Botts had like recruited me for the team um and just kind of took a spot last year, took a team spot last year. So I didn't really qualify for the team last year, but I wasn't able to make it because I at the time had a new job. So I am excited to go this year. Still not technically 100% yet, but I do still have my job for next year, which I found out the other day, which is good. And they Mm -hmm. kind of gave me the go ahead on the time off more or less not officially but unofficially actually i told uh i told my uh, two bosses in the meeting where they were telling me that i was still working next year and uh, then i told i told them about the event and what it was and one of them kind of knew that i did some competitive gaming but the other one uh, who's newer did not and she got super excited um and she's like oh, you're a competitive gamer and like like video games i'm like no she's like oh like settlers of Catan." i'm like yeah sure <laughs> which isn't that far off um i do love settlers but yeah so uh it's close yeah, enough so for the should... people who don't know stuff about yeah, ex- our specific exactly. little niche hobby exactly and you don't want exactly. to tell them that you you push little models around with little widgets i mean I mean, I so my my other boss, she do, she do, she doesn't know like Guild Ball, but she knows Warhammer and stuff like that. So she was like, "Oh, that's cool." Um, so yeah, so that is the World Team Championship. Uh, we, me, and Chris are going to be going. We're not going to be on the same team because we don't like each other. <laughs> I really, really wanted to have the uh, uh, team anatomical precision reunion. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that yep. was because <laughs> Jared McGraw is going to be there. Yeah, as so, far as we can tell. Yeah, so the rest of the team is uh, Jared McGraw, um, Vince from Strictly the Worst, Pat from Van Value from Strictly the Worst, um, Jacob Frelinger, yeah. Zach Gray from Chicago, uh, Owen Bell from I want to say Oregon. Is that right? Somewhere, somewhere out west. I think they're both somewhere in the west. Maybe Oregon Seattle, or Washington, one or the yeah, other. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a lot. I'm leaning towards Seattle. That that makes sense. Uh, also, our good friend uh, Frank Kumitis, and that's everybody. Yeah, myself and Chris. So we're excited. It should be a good thing. Team USA is getting. Um, we were definitely more organized, I think, than last year. I mean, I'm not sure I wasn't in the conversations, but we're already on looking at T-shirts and, uh, you know, talking about team team pair, you know, team pairings and whatnot. So we're uh, we're there to give the Germans a run for their for their crown. So not that. So that'll would, uh, yeah. Go for it. I I think um that kind of like. We can cut in one of our questions so that we're not like re- rewinding on that later. Uh, sure. Jake Frelinger asked about thoughts on going to the WTC. What are you excited for and what are you worried about? Go for it, Chris. Um, I'm worried about... Uh, this is my first time leaving the United States. And wow. so I just applied for my passport. And uh, turns out... Uh, my birth certificate has under the sex category, it has my birthday, 
So I hope that that doesn't cause any super annoying bureaucracy <laughs> paper trail <laughs> annoyances. So, <laughs> um, I'm also I'm also worried about the uh, trying to organize the money aspect of everything. But I mean, yeah. th- it'll happen. But I'm ex- super excited about meeting uh, my teammates and uh, meeting all these foreign people to me uh foreign to me not to themselves obviously but you know awesome uh you do still have two kidneys right i have what do you do still have two kidneys right it's an easy source of income right there (laughs) uh to my knowledge yes i do (laughs) to my knowledge (laughs) excellent (laughs) Um, so for me, uh, my thoughts are that I'm excited. Um, I'm excited for a chance to play against people from around the world. Um, there will be people that I know, like, um, I imagine Steve Easton and JJ Layfield will be there. Um, there'll be people I talk to on the disc, you know, on the discord or elsewhere about Gabal there, which will be exciting and just meeting all the people from from countries that I've never been to, um, you know, and that didn't even know played go ball would be, is just a cool thing. Um, I know the, uh, I'm shouting out the, uh, Emir- at the UAE team, the Emirates team, uh, that's going to be there. Um, I expect them all, they, you know, they, they are going to try to petition so that they can all play Falconers. Um, but I do expect them to roll up, um, in fancy cars with, uh, with, with falcons like actual falcons because that's everything that's from my knowledge of emirates that's what uh that's what they do although actually in reality they're all expats so i think they're all british or or whatnot so um but yeah excited to meet all the different people from different countries and different metas and different groups um what am i worried about um i don't know worried about having really awkward flights trying to make it work with my work schedule and making that like ruin the experience so uh, I still gotta work that out alrighty alright so Rich. I guess that's enough WTC maybe or I, no. yeah I can't I can't say anything about it I mean I'm not going I wish I was well, I know you got to play more than once I'll, a year. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be excited to watch you guys, uh, you know, on stream. If you guys, whatever you guys make it on stream, but they, I Hopefully. guess they'll be streaming it this year. Yeah, they should be. They streamed it last year, and they finally, after all this time, uh, uploaded the videos to YouTube. But uh, so that, I'm sure yeah, they'll stream just again. Be pre- just be prepared to wake up at uh, 3 a.m. our time in order to actually watch anything. Jesus, uh, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll wake up at six for work and, and then I'll start watching then. So I'll miss a game. <laughs> and and they, they'll they probably upload it to YouTube six months later. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So oh. thinking traps. Yes. Thinking traps. What do I mean by this? So um, now, what do you mean by this? It may have been said on podcast before but by profession i am a psychologist um and one of the things i talk about with my students all of the time is um 
what we call cognitive distortions. Um, and uh, I like to call them for the, you know, for more adolescent appropriate language and just in general, a, a better name than cognitive distortions is thinking traps or thinking errors. Um, yeah, that's a little more friendly. I, I, I think so. I think so. Um, but to kind of give a quick, very brief background um, as to both what these are and why they affect us in general life, and then we'll kind of move on to how they how they are related to Guild Ball, why I think um, they could be kind of an important thing that affects your skill and development as a Guild Ball player. Um, so the first thing, and if anybody's listening to this, if you look, re- type into Google Cognitive Triangle, um, you'll see a great visual of it, and it will explain it much better than I could do uh, via audio. But one of the foundations of cognitive behavioral therapy, um, which is kind of the you know the popular uh, science-based field of psychology um, and therapy nowadays, is the idea that for any given event, um, we will you know the kind of what determines the outcome as well as like how you as a person um feel and end up like uh reacting to the event is kind of an interplay between the way you think about the event um the feelings that you have and then the behaviors or the you know the what you actually do um so basically the idea is like for example um the classic one that you would use for like a kid would be you have, you know, there you have a big test or exam um, coming up. So that's your event that's going on. Um, and you have certain thoughts about that event. So you might be like, oh, man, I'm going to fail this test. Or, oh, I'm feeling really good about this test. Um, depending on what kind of thoughts you have, you'll then start to feel that will, you know, make that will cause you to feel a, a certain way. So if you're thinking, like, I'm totally going to fail this test, I can't do it, you're going to start feeling very stressed out negative you know you uh, etc as a result of all that you'll you may um end up not studying as well as you could have or you know you'll procrastinate or you know you'll get very panicky before the test there's a lot of different things that can happen um while alternatively if you have a different if you think something different about the test you might you know if you think like i can do this i'm very confident in myself uh, then you may, you know, you'll feel better going in. You'll feel more positive and happy going into it, or at least determined. Um, and then, ideally, you'll, 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 your behaviors will lead you to a better outcome. Um, so, what gets in the way are the thinking traps or thinking errors. So these are different, uh, basically logical fallacies or irrational ways of thinking that we do all the time. Um, as humans, all of us do them, uh, and they can kind of get us caught up. And there's a number of different ones, but we're going to talk about a few today um, specifically, and we'll go over them. But how do these affect guild ball play? Um, have you guys ever f- tilted or felt like you were getting emotional or, or felt like you were feeling a certain way that was impacting the way you were playing or perceiving a game um, of Guild Ball. Of course. Uh, and I've noticed it in my opponents as well. Um, 
few times during the pre-thresher nerfs uh, and a few t there's one time real early in my good luck career where Corsair could not knock down silence and I just needed him to do that and that was it needed thresher to knock down silence no I needed Corsair to knock down oh, silence gotcha 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 this was like two plus years ago maybe and yeah it was just not happening uh-huh yeah so. and that that could be really challenging especially if like you know corsair doesn't knock down silence and then you go ahead and like you know even though maybe you shouldn't try to do it again you're like you know what that totally should happen i totally should hit this like i i, I should hit it i must hit i gotta hit this this knockdown and like if you actually really need to hit the knockdown then maybe that's all you can do but a lot of times maybe the answer is like no you should have just tried it once and if it didn't happen you needed to do something else right um but you get stuck you get stuck in sort of a thinking trap and then boom you've just wasted five influence um or more yeah i i can think of a great example for myself uh <laughs> I was playing a game, a local game, against morticians with Rage, and I had a, a bone, uh, not bone, sorry, brain pan engaged with Rage, um, and I wanted to, he had four influence on him, and I wanted to delete him uh, in one round before he had activated. So um, I attacked with Rage, and I needed to hit the third column to get a damage and a push, so that I could push him into melee, uh, sorry, push him out of melee with myself into melee with one of my other models and give me the momentum so I could then um, bloody coin myself, charge, and do all the things, and I would have easily deleted him. However, I did not hit the right column on the first attack. Uh, I did not hit the right column on the second attack. I did not hit the right column on the third attack. I did hit it on the fourth attack, then bloody coined myself and charged, uh, only getting the bonus damage for one attack, leaving him very definitely alive. Uh, and that was a horrible activation. Um, but I kind of got stuck in this, like, a, I should hit it eventually. Like, I'm totally, like, eventually I'm going to hit this third column. And yeah, sure, I did, but I wasted an activation to do so. So can get in the way rich has it ever uh, have you ever seen it um a thinking trap uh, affect you or uh, an opponent in a game yeah i mean it happens um when it comes to dice it happens a lot you know people get tilted by their dice and and um that's that is terrible because you know it's a dice game dude it, it's random it happens but it also happens when you are down you know what i mean like um a lot of times i'll be down like 8-0 or something like that or it could be 8-8 and he has the ball or something and i, I i'll make a mistake or my opponent will make a mistake that'll ultimately cause him the game um and i think that's the worst of it or or um i mean before you know you would ho you would think you would win the momentum race and you know it's like you're up by five or you're up by four and you roll a one and your opponent rolls a six and you're like oh my god like you know first activation he doesn't he doesn't have to do anything spectacular but you're still sort of just tilted from losing that momentum race because you needed the first activation for whatever reason and you know like those things have caused me games before mm. 
I, I like that you brought up dice because that's a big one that we'll talk about. We'll talk about one or two of the where dice beliefs and thoughts about dice really come into play um, and can can lead to a lot of thinking traps and a lot of issues. Uh, what I, I guess what I want to kind of touch upon is not only can these things, these thinking traps, thinking errors, affect you within the context of a game, like they can cause you to lose a game um, because you make, you know, you have a thinking trap and it causes you to, you know, feel a certain way and that impacts the decisions that you make and then, you know, you end up losing. But I think it really can impact both your a, enjoyment of the game and of the hobby in general because um, it can lead to a lot of negative thoughts kind of about you know how, th- how things played out, um, your own skill, your opponent's like skill, whether they deserved it or not, uh, you know, model, you'd be like, oh man, this model or this mechanic is just not, is, you know, is overpowered or whatnot. Um, it can lead to a lot of like negative thoughts. Um, and actually, those some of those negative thoughts are actually in of themselves also thinking traps. But beyond impacting you within the game and impacting your enjoyment out, uh, out of the game, it also definitely can impact your ability to learn and grow as a, a, a competitive player too, if that's something you're interested in. Uh, because when you make these, when you fall into these thinking traps, you're you know fundamentally not logically evaluating the situation. And thus, um, you know, you will fall into these patterns that are harmful um, and can cause you to do similar things in the future, which, again, don't help you to win games and don't help you to feel good. And you will tend to not learn lessons from those mistakes because the way you're thinking about it is, uh, is fundamentally irrational or illogical. So... Let's dive into some of them and uh, what they might look like and see if we can come up with some examples. So the first one um, that I want to talk about is there's kind of two in one here, but it's the idea of what's called all or nothing thinking uh, are also uh, kind of related to that is called overgeneralization. So all or nothing thinking is pretty much also known as black or white thinking, but categorical thinking the idea is basically when you really fail to see the nuance or the gray in a situation and you kind of go towards things as extreme and you evaluate things in extreme so like either something is overpowered or it's garbage you know either this is good or it's unplayable right like those are pretty extreme examples can you guys think of any other kind of situations in go ball where people might make these kind of uh all or nothing kind of thoughts like you know either it's one thing or another thing to two extremes uh rich can you take this one first thing i'm almost thought of one oh god i mean all i could think about is like prior games um what was it two years ago captain Mm -hmm. con Mm-hmm. It was me, me and Alex in the finals, and uh, I was so worried about the scrum in the middle. I believe I was playing Brewers, um, and I was so worried about the scrum in the middle that I left Harry like somewhere else on like half health, and he managed to just like delete him. But um, 
I wish I wasn't going first because I was actually thinking it like like Chris was. So, Mike, if you want to take this one first, please do. Gotcha. Um, so, I think one of the first examples that really pops up into my mind is the very obvious how we evaluate a player. Um, we're all guilty of it at some point or another. Uh, I know I'm really guilty of thinking very, very, very negatively about Angel and Bonesaw in particular. Um, I think in games, I think we can fall into traps where on the all or nothing thinking where we actually think that well, if I miss this attack or if I can't do this or that, then that ruins the whole play. I can't uh, salvage anything from it, I guess you would say. So Mm -hmm. I can't think of an exact example right now, but I know it has happened to me before where, like, well, I've missed this tackle. I have so much influence left and I'm not going to have enough to dodge and get momentum and get to the uh, goal if I did indeed manage to tackle it from here on out. So, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, I think um, another example kind of of all or nothing thinking in the extreme is when you is kind of when you and this kind of falls into some of the other ones. And as you'll see, a lot of these things kind of overlap. These uh, thinking traps overlap. Um, but you kind of evaluate um, something as either it's like going to happen or it's not. I I know this is done in jest, but I've heard, uh, I think it's JJ, do like everything in Go Ball is the 50-50 because either it happens or it doesn't. Um, but that, like, old, obviously that it's a, a fallacious argument because um, <laughs> that's not how statistics work. But um, that's not true that things either happen or they don't, right? It They happen to certain degrees. Like, maybe um, I don't get to take out the model that I want to take out. But what I can do is I can put a lot of damage and then, you know move my model to safety or, or do achieve you know something else towards the goal right not everything will always be like it doesn't always have to be to one extreme or not um i mean in certain circumstances that's less true for example for a goal usually it's you get a goal or you don't get a goal but there's a little bit different like sometimes people will be like oh if i get this goal i you know i'm good and i'll win and if i miss it game's over but you can also create situ like that's not always true and you can create situations um where that's not true if you miss a goal it's not great for you but it's not um it's not the end of the end of the world um so kind of moving on from that uh is the idea of overgeneralization and that the idea there is when you take one example of something happening um, and uh, if we take a look at strictly the worst, this kind of they kind of use the term uh, results-oriented thinking, which is not exactly the same thing, but the same similar kind of vein. So when you take the results of one or a limited number of situations and then generalize them to kind of be an, you know, a, a truism or something that is more generally true, um, 
great example of this is, you know, Bone Saw. Your first ever game of Bone Saw. You, you know, you, you he makes he gets his first turn goal, uh, and then he's a five zero, and he's just running around, and he goes in and hits that um, unexpected arrival, and then he um, scores the snapshot, and you're like, oh my goodness, Bone Saw was amazing. Um, and maybe, you know, the reason he did so well is you were playing in the farmers and like he was able to kind of hit those things. Um, you know, you, you take that, you then take that one data point, that one, you know, or limited piece, you know, amount of information and you form a general opinion. You then go on the internet and you say like, why does everybody think Bonesaw is bad? He's great. I played this game and he, you know, he was, and he did everything. So clearly he's, uh, you know, people just aren't using it right. Um, for obvious reasons, basing your opinion off of that one game is, is not a, is not a good way to A, be accurate in your evaluations of players and of game, you know, and how the game goes, but also, yeah, it can also lead you to, um, to make a lot of missteps. Have you guys ever experienced people overgeneralizing other than the this model is great? <laughs> um oh man, I'm I'm stuck on that all or nothing thinking. Uh <laughs> <laughs> <It's just true>. <laughs> <laughs> Um not, fell yeah, into the trap. Damn say, it. Uh <laughs> no. I was gonna say another uh cr- another one while you Another one that comes up a lot is where people, um, they kind of take, they generalize things like, oh, I'm playing a fighting team, so, like, because the team does, like, good damage means that I'm just fighting, and they kind of overgeneralize, like, butchers are a fighting team that just runs forward and hits you, so they kind of uh, take... They kind of overgeneralize that um, that to the entire guild, and it can influence kind of the way they uh, approach playing. And if they're you know avoiding, not avoiding, but if they like, oh, I just I I'm not looking to score goals. I'm looking to fight because my team is a fighting team. Um, actually, I just realized as I'm saying this, I'm kind of going into it's a different kind of thinking trap, which we'll talk about. But um, <laughs> it's kind of running into the next one, which is called labeling. But you're, you know, I'm the fighting team, and you overgeneralize yourself. I'm a fighting team. Fighting teams are, you know, teams you know go for takeouts only, and or you know, or don't really go for goals. Then you're not really, um, you know, playing to the way the game is meant to be played, uh, and limiting yourself okay so i think you got one i think we uh like the opposite of your example where you know bone saw was amazing this game i think the opposite can be true mm-hmm. in that you can write off entire plays as well that's a low odds play that's just trash why would i even think about that but if it's a if you're behind or something and you've got a 30 about a 32 something percent chance like that's a it's about a third of that a third of a chance that you're gonna actually like just win this game then you know maybe you should just take it like yeah most of the time it's not gonna happen but there's that chance that it will it doesn't mean that won't you know 
Yep. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think a good thing actually is to co the other thing about overgeneralizing is like you, especially when something bad happens, is um, kind of expecting it to happen the same way every time. Um, I've heard people say like, I don't like this model because it never scores, right? Like Flint always misses his goal. Um, but we know, like, if you think about it logically, you know exactly what the percentage of, uh, you can, you know, calculate what a percentage of a four die kick is. So, you know, you're taking when you, when Flint misses a goal or Flint misses a couple of goals, you take those little pieces of data, you know, that aren't really sufficient to actually be, you know, representative of what the actual probability is. And then you just kind of expect that to happen each time. Um, and if that causes you to maybe not play Flint or to not play Flint the same way, cause you're, you know, thinking that he's, you're kind of making this assumption that he's going to miss his goal on all the important goal shots, then, you know, you're not playing as a, uh, as effectively as you could be. So, Rich, anything else to add uh, to overgeneralization? I, I think I think you guys nailed it, and, and for me, it only comes down to to like the players mm. when uh, when people have the ra rash decision as players because they don't they don't play well or because they don't have a use for them. I, I know that some people can see the use in one player and they bring them in their ten. Um, sort of why people, I bring Plowman, you know, just for like the Morticians matchup. So, but you know, there are some people that you know, uh, bring window for a certain matchup, and I don't see it. But it's just general generalizations. That's all. That's all I can really say. Mm -hmm. Um. Okay. Go jumping into another one. Another one that um is quite common that I see, and this is more of a affecting how you perceive the game is the idea of catastrophizing, and what this is is you know kind of magnifying the potential bad outcome and how bad it is and you know like how unbearable it is so thresher was a very powerful model probably an overpowered model um and was you know at times could be unfair to uh, or unfun to play against for sure those things are all true that said when he came out and people were playing against him there was definitely a lot of catastrophizing um there, you know, it, just the idea that like I'm gonna play against this model, and every time I do play against him, if I lose a game because he's really strong, it's just like so unbearable and it's so unfun. It's just like becomes such a negative thing. Um, when the reality is like, eh, like yeah, he, it's not that big of a deal. Um, and I've seen people get really upset about and maybe not as much necessarily in go ball but over a course again i've seen people get really upset when they think it's just something is just so unbearable it becomes a catastrophe or like oh man my attack failed this is the game's over i can't believe i missed those you know my i rolled eight dice and i rolled seven ones how like this is oh my goodness like it's the it's the worst thing in the world right um mm -hmm. has i mean i i i that is, I have caught myself from getting to that on the times where I have rolled uh, seven ones out of eight, one, out of eight one, uh, dice. But um, 
I've definitely this. I think this kind of happens very often to opponents, like, and it kind of is the beginning of 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 tilting. Often the beginning of tilting, right? Like a die roll or something doesn't go your way, um, and you start making it into this huge thing, right? Like my die roll didn't go well. Oh man, I guess this game is over. Like or oh well, I I can't win now. Um, you know that may not always it may not always be such a drastic thought but it's it, i've definitely seen people who have have literally said that like this game is over now i the thing that i wanted to do <laughs> go didn't didn't happen <laughs> so i'm i'm really known for that and mike you know that well before uh a tournament or like a big event i'm like oh god why am i going i'm gonna get crushed oh i don't want to do this why what should i do <laughs> and and then like five hours later i'll be like yo let's do it dude i'm ready let's go and then the yeah, next yeah. day, I couldn't sleep, man. I'm gonna get crushed. I'm just gonna stay home. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. You are actually you are actually jumping into another related uh, one that's called fortune telling. Uh, but yeah, that's the idea. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's. Uh, which is, I don't know. Yeah. That that sounded like a low blow, man. <laughs> no, no, that's it's just it's just another thinking trap. There's a lot of them, and they they have some of them have different names, and they're all pretty closely related but yeah you predict the outcome right you're you're and that can kind of lead to a catastrophizing situation right where you're like man i'm totally gonna do bad in this event it's gonna be i'm gonna lose all my games it's gonna be i'm gonna be embarrassed i'm not gonna have fun it's gonna be horrible let's just go home <laughs> right like i mean that's, <laughs> yeah. that's that's obviously an extreme but like there are people who don't go to tournaments because they think I'm gonna go. I'm gonna get crushed. It's gonna be horrible. I'm gonna play all these jerks. Like they're yeah, they're they're both fortune telling, trying to you know predict things, and then they're also making a you know a big uh, a mountain out of a molehill, as they say, right? Like yeah, I definitely even if you... know some players <laughs> who like avoid yeah. tournaments because they perceive themselves as not ready for a tournament when really. Like the best practice you can get is just going to a tournament and playing some damn new people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. It can get like that's a big one. That's an example of a big behavior it can lead to. That's negative. It can lead to avoidance, right? Like if you actually avoid going to a tournament, um, because you're worried about how you'll do, um, then I mean that's a that's a right there. Like obviously if your goal was to be a competitive player or just even to have a good time playing at competitive events with friends, then by avoiding the tournament, cause you feel like it's not going to be a good experience. You are, um, you're, I mean, you're, you're not gaining anything from that. You're not getting any closer to your goal. Um, and by avoiding it, you're probably, you will not probably, you're going to reinforce because you're going to avoid it, and then you're going to, you know, not experience all those horrible things that you think you were go- that were going to happen, and that feels good in the moment. So now you've just reinforced yourself, and the next time you want to go to an event, you'll think about the same thing, and you're more likely to do the same thing again. Um, so yeah, definitely can kind of be a, a bad cycle. Uh, one that I want to touch on, and then we can kind of wrap up, like we can get to the next part, which is like, what do you do for this? Is the idea of um, should statements or must statements. So it's like, this is when you put kind of these, y- y- you just evaluate things as 
with kind of a bias as to this is something that should happen um, or this is something that must happen. Greatest example of this is when somebody rolls uh, rolls an attack with attack six model and I hear them saying, um, well, it's attack six, uh, defense four, armor one, so I should get two hits on this attack. Um, and then they get zero or one hits, and, you know, they get angry. They're like, ah, oh, I, sh- I should have got that there. I should have got that. Um, that's like, that's what the numbers say I should get. That's no fair. And then they get into, I rolled poorly, and now they're getting into some other things. They're blaming, you know, they're they're doing all this other stuff. But the reality is, like, even even if something is statistically likely, and sometimes you do estimate like yeah like i do i do think like if i'm i'm thinking that it is likely that i get two hits uh when i roll that tax six but when you start saying like this should happen like you're saying like this you are expecting it to happen and then it doesn't happen that can cause a lot of frustration right um especially if like you you think of it like you are kind of entitled to it to happen right um and anything less than that is bad luck or you know you know you need you need new dice or however you however you rationalize it um yeah, yeah and it can yeah, be really definitely a bit like uh go a for bit it like my experience earlier in the year where uh shark missed the first attack in the game against buckwheat just needing to dodge mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a that was a rough time i really catastrophized that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and how did that affect the rest of your game? Oh, it was shit. I was I was awful <laughs> at it. Like my opponent did great. I was salty the whole time. Ruined mm-hmm. a day for me. Yeah, not not like by anybody's fault, but my own in thinking about it too hard. Yeah, like it can really get to you. It can make you salty. And like, here's the thing. Like, yes, there are things where it's like if I'm rolling eight dice and I need one two. Um, then that is very statistically likely. And in all, like you can say it should happen most of the time. Right. But, um, so it's very much like a language thing and also how you're thinking about it, but it's more of like when you, when you expect something to happen and you are kind of in this, like it should happen. And then the result of when things don't go according to the should, um, you kind of it, it then kind of spirals and that like becomes like a you start blaming or like that's un- or you just start thinking this is unfair um or you're just unlucky right and you start putting all these you know outward things as to what happened when it when the should didn't you know, didn't live up to what it should be um uh, another thing that can happen is don't don't oh. turn your shoulds into wills basically <laughs> exactly. yeah well and then the other side of that is uh well it's the must statements and this actually i i've definitely found myself having to guard against this for for me especially as i've done um done decently well in events and became more competitive um you kind of went from like i remember when i played netrunner um i would be happy going to a tournament and just getting winning 50% of my games because um, it wasn't just, it wasn't a game I was super like getting super competitive into um, even though I was trying to win you know be competitive and win games 
but like I also recognize there was like a lot of I just had a experience disadvantage compared to people that I was playing with lots of really good players so um but now in guild ball as I've you know gotten more competitive you start to you I've gone to things where like I must do really well in this because you know if I am a good player then and I'm at this tournament I should or I must do really well and if I don't do that what does that mean for me like as a player right like you you feel that pressure to do really well and that could be something that especially if you are like doing well at tournaments or like you're winning all your like local regional tournaments and you go like a a step up to the next level uh, and you have like this pressure to be like well i should do really well um and if you let that if you kind of let yourself get driven by that um you you know if you don't live up to that or you start having things don't go your way and you're starting to not live up to potentially not live up to that it can cause you to get really tilted really discouraged um which yeah can make you just not play your best that's true i think uh yeah i've I've tried to avoid that like setting expectations for myself too high uh like going into the spring fling my hope was that all right, as long as I can end with a positive win-loss, you know, 4-2, 5-1, God help me, 6-0, um, <laughs> that I, I feel pretty happy with that. And the year before that, it was just an even score. So, like, I tried not to make sure I didn't jump up from my even 3-3 goal to a suddenly do a goal of like aiming for a 5-1 or higher because then mm-hmm. that's just setting a possibly unrealistic standard for myself mm-hmm. um and i think the last one i want to j- jump into uh quickly is is called filtering um sometimes called like a mental filter and the, the idea is like when you kind of take a situation that has both positive and negatives and filter out the information that is um, positive and just leave yourself with the negative stuff can also kind of refer to your idea like where you expect something to be a certain way or you like you have an opinion or a belief about something and you filter out all the information that doesn't conform to those preconceived beliefs so great example would be like you think this model is not great um thus you know maybe you play it um and you filter out all the good things that it does, right? And you focus only on the bad things, and that reinforces your belief that this model isn't good. Um, when maybe it is, you know, uh, it is a good model, or it's a perfectly valid model. Um, it can also, it can also just impact your ability to like critically evaluate a game. Like if you think a game should be played a certain way, like or a matchup should be go a certain way, and then it doesn't, you kind of you you can filter out. Um, the information that doesn't kind of, you know, mesh with your beliefs. Like, oh man, when I play Butchers into Hunters, it always goes this way. But then it goes a different way. And instead of being like, oh, maybe I need to reevaluate, or was this, was I, was I thinking about this wrong, or did I just make a mistake? Like, instead of doing that, you kind of filter it out, and then that again can lead you down to so many other ways of rationalizing it, where you like, you filter out that, and you're like well, you know, he just rolled really well, 
um, or like some you know you or like oh this happened and that's and that's that's why this went this way instead of like you know critically evaluating thinking about what was going on and we're definitely definitely have all been i think guilty of of filtering things out um because yeah, that it's just i mean yeah, it's just course. something yeah it's something we do we it's really hard to be like hold on am i actually i'm myself included like hold on is my belief is what i think about this or the way that i think about this actually right like or or maybe like let me look at this information and adjust maybe the answer is yes it still is but like actually to look at that and to uh, you know evaluate the information and not to just filter out what you want to hear um so we have a bunch and there there are many more um of these but the a bunch of these thinking traps the general idea is again that it's an illogical irrational way of of thinking that typically causes negative thoughts either about yourself or in this case in in the context of gilball about maybe the game or you know the design or different models or you know dice and luck etc um we have all these things that can get in the way and make and kind of prevent us from improving and having a good time and you know just making good decisions in games what do we do um about it i know you notice you guys had mentioned a couple of times where you were thinking of situations with you or other people um can you guys think of what do you do when you find yourself um you know even if you didn't know it at the time when you find yourself um getting into a thinking trap like how do you how do you get past that like what do you do to deal with it and to you know move past it I lose. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me, it's it's difficult to get out of it, but um, I usually I usually have to take time off. Like I, I have to go and and let my clock run down like two minutes, and I just I have to like walk away or, or look away. Like I have to do something, just take my mind off the game for a second, so that way I can I can forget what my original plan was. And then come back and look at the board state again and figure out what's the best option. And hopefully it's okay. not the same thing that I was doing that messed it up in the first place. But I have to because if not, I'm just going to keep, you know, trying and throwing dice and throwing dice at it. And then it's, it just doesn't work out. Um, as you said earlier that, you know, there's times where you take an attack, you miss, you take an attack, you miss, you hit it on the third one, but now there's not enough influence for you to like run and then make a goal kick. You know what I mean? Like now you're down, you have to change your game plan. Mm-hmm. Okay. So your, your strategy that you use is, um, is the walk away, take a, take a break. Uh, if you wanted to think about it, what I would tell is like, take a deep breath, right? Uh, get yourself kind of under control, um, yeah. So that you can go back and have a clear head when you're when you're you know reapproaching the situation. Okay. Yep. Excellent. Chris, anything different, similar? Uh, not really. Like you just I, rage out, get... don't you? You just embrace it. No. You just go right into those thinking traps. I'm just kidding. Well. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> Yes and no. Uh, I try to keep the rage in con- under control, and like I've uh, one of my like coping mechanisms there is just to 
go ahead let the let my clock run a bit and just like cool off and then come back at it with a level head uh kind of like rich said except i'm trying not to forget what the plans are i'm usually trying to think of new plans while doing so um sure but mostly i kind of i kind of just in in my real life and everything and strategizing about this game i just kind of almost feel like i embrace these thinking traps a little too much and just accept them as part of what I what is going to happen to how I think about things. <laughs> so it's just like, well, all or nothing thinking. Yeah, this will this will happen. You know, this <laughs> this or that, and it's either I win or I lose, and that's it. So whatever, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> I guess so, I guess what I would say is I I uh, st- I try to accept the way i'm thinking and accept that a loss or whatever bad thing is happening is not really a big deal because at the end of the game or at the end of the day it's just a game and i'm here to have fun Mm -hmm. it sounds like you're you've taken the uh aa uh approach to gaming so you admit that you have a problem uh, and that you are powerless, <laughs> powerless to to solve that problem without the intervention of a higher being. <laughs> uh, sounds about right. Okay. So, so uh, uh, Mike, as a as a psychologist, what should I actually be doing? Uh, well, so what I mean, what you said, you and Rich both said is uh, is excellent. I mean, so what you guys talked about was the idea of. Uh, an, an active coping skill, um, which, uh, you know, taking a break for a second, um, taking a moment to, uh, to control like how you're feeling and to, to kind of reset is definitely something that you can do. Uh, cause one of the things we know that when you start getting, you know, uh, whatever word you want to call for it, upset, frustrated, tilted, etc. Um, and you start thinking all these things and having these feelings and making bad decisions, um, like that causes physical changes in your body. Um, you know, your heart could be pumping. You know, your you can you can even get headaches. Like you can have physical symptoms, etc. Like anxiety and frustration and all that stuff literally affects your body very physically. Um, but yeah, I get the shakes real bad. I I mean, I'm gonna in a totally positive way, and I hope he doesn't mind. And I apologize in advance, but um. You know, uh, our good friend Angel Forge, awesome player, um, you know, great guy. Love him on, you know, on Discord. I, uh, I do, I, when you, if you listen to this, Angel Forge, uh, you, let's have a chat about this. But, man, like, he really, you know, he gets into it, and I see the anxiety uh, when his clock gets low. And, oh, my God, like, he physically shakes. Like, like which is oh, a, a, you say, a, it would no no like nothing bad to say about him he's a really good player but like when you start getting that time pressure and you know things might not be going the way you want and some of these thinking traps might be happening and you're kind of get or you're just or you know you're getting stuck or you're trying to deal with the stress yeah like it can really show so the point of this though is like using an active coping skill it sounds silly but they you know, deep taking a deep breath um 
you know, taking a, a quick break, grabbing a drink of water can do a lot um, to do that. Uh, we can get in. We can totally get into a whole different thing about mindfulness. But the idea, like, take that moment to like get yourself away from all the racing like thoughts that you're trying to think of. You're under this time pressure. You're trying to do all this stuff and make these quick decisions. Just take a moment and recognize like where you are, what you're doing, what you're trying to do in the game. You know, definitely recognize the the like the fact that like this is a game, right? And it's not like life or death and you'll be okay either way um even if like it really does mean a lot to you uh and then yeah use that take your breath take your water break take your minute on your clock etc and like get yourself to a spot where you're more like your body's physiologically and you know, you you're emotionally and cognitively ready to deal with whatever the situation is. that said another thing that you can do um, less about like the calming yourself down in the moment, but more just addressing these thinking traps in general. Um, is the idea in cognitive psychology of like talking back to yourself um, or self-talk. And basically, what this is is you once you start recognizing when you may be like engaging in one of these thinking traps, um, is to a recognize it and kind of question yourself and dispute yourself as to like is you know is what i'm doing right now is it logical is it rational does it make sense um like challenging your the thoughts that you're having and the and the beliefs that you're having and saying like wait a minute right now is this really the right way to think about this or am i you know or am i am i getting stuck um somehow um or you know is am i just thinking about this the wrong way and then you have to think of and uh, ultimately a big thing i will say is like the best way to do it is this way i'm thinking about this is this helping me right now uh towards whatever your goals are if your goals are winning the game if your goals are having fun combination of both you know i etc like whatever your goals are are these thoughts helping you get closer towards your goals or are they causing you to go uh, to get further away from um and they're being less helpful um, I mean, a great example of this is, is the dice one, right? So um, the you have the die roll, that important, pretty important die roll doesn't go the way you want it to go, right? Um, you start catastrophizing. Um, you start blaming. You start, you know, oh, man, these dice, they're bad. I need new dice. I'm going to toss these in the garbage and get precision dice and pay $75 a die for back that gammon dice, uh, and it will never happen again, and blah, 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 you know, you know, da, 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 you keep going, uh, and then you catch yourself and say, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yes, it, you know, I should have gotten a, or not should have, it's statistically likely, right, that I get um, two hits on my tax six model against the 4-1, but that statistically likely is like what, like it's... Uh, what I always forget. It's like a sixty percent chance or something like that. It doesn't matter. The I could look up. <laughs> I could do the math. I could do the math and get the number. But the idea is like it's not as you know. It's not a guarantee. And if it doesn't happen, I'll be okay, right? And like and just getting upset about it isn't going to help it, me to get to you know. Like it's not going to make the dice change the next time I roll them, right? It's not going to go back in time and change the way the dice rolled. Just getting pissed off about it isn't going to make you. you, you anything go better for you in the moment so instead of recognize like okay i i am going you know i need 
this and if I don't get it, what am I going to do? Because I know that while it is likely, it is definitely not guaranteed. Um, so, you know, if it doesn't happen, now how do I regroup, right? That's So you're, re, you're kind of restructuring the way you think about it. So instead of going like, these dice are crap, throwing them away, you're like, okay, I'm frustrated right now. These dice... Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm feeling like my luck is not going well because I'm not getting the dice roll. But is it really that likely, like guaranteed that I get this dice roll? No. Even if it is, even if it's a 99% chance, well, you know, 1% things do happen. And you know what? They happen about 1% of the time. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, really, that like catching yourself and challenging the way you're thinking in that moment in your head, um, and like catching yourself and getting you know different ways to go about it but basically figure out if the thoughts that you're having right now are helping you and if not what can you do to what other thoughts can you uh like can you change that to that will help you so instead of being like man these these dice are garbage uh this game sucks and you know i'm just such an unlucky person be like i'm frustrated my dice that my dice aren't you know rolling what i was hoping they would roll right now um so I need to change something up, right? I need to maybe time to take a risk or it's time to do something different, um, you know, because things are not going the way I expect them to. So I need to change something, right? And that's a much more right. positive positive thing than, you know, chucking dice at people or places or, you know, going online and spending all your money on precision dice. <laughs> and then still rolling once. <laughs> Hey, you're just very precisely rolling ones at that point. That is true. It is the most <laughs> precise one that you could possibly have. Um, yeah, what are you guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, I know I, I kind of just lectured. That. No, no, it's, it's, I mean, that's your job. Um, that's why we have you here. Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with all that, basically. I think... Um, one of the things to really cope with any kind of feeling is to be able to actually recognize why you're having that feeling and what you can do to, you know, stop it. Obviously, can't always. There's always bigger things going on, but yeah, I think so being able to recognize why why you're thinking the way you're thinking is a big, like, first step into, like, stopping it. Yeah. And I think another part that you had talked about, I think earlier, somebody had mentioned is also accepting um, some things, you know, you also have to recognize what you can and cannot change, right? Like accepting that things, especially in like the dice game or, you know, in a game, uh, uh, you know, where there is a degree of randomness that things will not always go the way that you want them to is a big part of like, you know, of you have to accept that fact because if you don't, you're going to get frustrated all the times that things don't go the way you want them to. Um, <laughs> yeah, and ultimately, like bringing this full circle, all these things kind of get in your way of both enjoyment of the game that we play for fun and pay a lot of money to play for fun, as well as if you are you know, a competitive player listening to our super competitive focus podcast, it stops you from getting better as a player. Right, like good. The I think ultimately the the best players are able to like or have are not only skilled mechanically skilled in the game, but they're like they have the good psychological um, 
skills and cognitive skills to uh, you know, evaluate their own play and you know make changes adjust and like have positive you know kind of navigate these thinking traps doesn't mean they won't happen they happen to all of us but um you know knowing what to do when when you start having them happen and how to how to adjust is like big big thing to um to doing well i'd say like i'm gonna throw out a i'm gonna try to get my own rikerism right here but i'd say one of the other biggest wing conditions in guild ball or any game is oh no oh yeah <laughs> i know right <laughs> yeah get ready for this is uh when your opponent defeats themselves right like when your opponent tilts or does something like makes bad decisions because um they are frustrated with the way things have worked out in the game that they are playing like i have won so many games where my opponent has kind of defeated themselves from even having a chance and the question at that point isn't am i going to win or lose the game but at what point are they going to lose the game for themselves well you heard it here first a dogism <laughs> there we go oh, no. all right excellent that is that uh, we spent a lot of time on that thanks for giving me a soapbox guys um should we jump into some questions and i can stop talking yeah yeah let's jump into some questions so uh what is it about adding the letter a in falconers so I, I believe this yeah. is uh, in reference to the fact that uh, Matagi, Matagi, and Rindas. Oh, is that what it is? I, I I was I was looking at. I'm like, wait a minute, where are they adding an A in Falconers? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, the um, yeah, they've got a lot of A's in there. I think the answer is because the ah sound is the sound you make when. They are stabbing or shooting you. You're like, ah, Matagi. Beautiful. <laughs> Next. I don't know. I mean, I, I think they just spell things differently. In Like, I mean, here in America, we don't spell honor with a U. You know what I mean? Like, I just think they they, they just want to add an extra letter just to piss us off. It's like, why? No, it's, no. The, it's those Brits. <laughs> All right, so uh, what's the process for being ordained as a priest of Perkins, harbinger of the fourth season? Um, everybody's getting all crazy about potential <laughs> changes in fourth season. Um, I hope it doesn't become a cult. If it does, I am sure the high priest uh, will be uh, JSM Bue. Master well, the... Uh, I mean, the only uh, the only requirement is that you accept that it, season four will save us all. <laughs> save us all. So. Is that, <laughs> the mantra, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that is the mantra. Uh, <laughs> uh, walking sticks used to be associated with Pathfinder and War Machine, as in there was a little symbol in War Machine that there was a walking stick. I think for Pathfinder. I don't know. Uh, I actually think I remember it as a foot. No, but yeah, I remember, it's a, I remember it was, a, it's a foot. foot. It's... I think he means that walking sticks on the models. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, what model feature correlates with what trait in Guild Ball? 
Any good answers? <laughs> Richie got anything for this? I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. Hey, no, I don't. What model? No, I don't have anything. Wait, there's nothing. Um, do we have if, anything? So? If there is a bad, badass looking dude with two knives, um, you can basically count on them having um, <laughs> a momentous roll of mo or great momentous damage results with either pushes or dodges on their playbook. <laughs> yeah, attack J six and a ten plus inch threat. You know. Yeah. Yeah, we got three. We got three of them. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, well, I mean, you have a. Uh... I don't know. I guess I, I I'm gonna add scalpel. There you go. Scalpel. Yeah. yeah scalpel. No, she she's she's badass, and she has a row of momentous results. That's true. You wish, you wish they were maybe like not all two and three damages, but yeah, no. <laughs> Um, uh, I would say something like uh, having large weapons uh, being associated with uh, one-inch melee, <laughs> such as brisket <laughs> and uh, Harriet's wrench. I would also say that uh, being unarmed but being on 40-millimeter base is associated with having long reach. So, Of course. Your mileage may vary when uh, going with... Uh, traits associated but for in 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 real talk though uh i was predicting that Vrundas has uh had dirty knives and uh the third harrier model for a while just because you know obviously knives and um what's that other thing that he has oh a bird all, all the people with harrier models have a bird on their model so mm -hmm. All the models with Molotov cocktails have Molotov. Uh, but not all the models with a Molotov cocktail on their model has Molotov. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, how many more games of Rat Catchers will Schlegel play in 2018 before throwing in his lot with Navigators? Uh, I mean... What's the over-under on this? I guess. <laughs> I mean, it depends on how many games you have between now and when the Navigators release. So yeah, we don't wait. That that's a that's a key information right there. I would. I mean, I would say you'll be so off. Of, you'll be off our, of school, we have our, right? So right. I, I mean, like I mean, they won't be released before WTC. So we have to add, have to I've been, add into that. I've been hitting a tournament a month about. And that has been almost all of my games. So, okay, so probably three... about three, four tournaments, maybe. Um, no, I'm, like I'm going to legitimately, I'll legitimately try to go Rats 2018 the whole way through. Oh. Um, I'm just going to say 20. I'll say 20 games. That's about it. <laughs> it's, I, it really depends on when, this, when Navigators are released. Like, so I don't think obviously they're not get released May or June. That's uh people and bird people and then July is the people who were not exiled. And so it'll be at least I have like all of summer. I got some soft confirmation that they won't have anything 
cool new stuff at Gen Con for like early releases of stuff or any of that. So okay. I, I think we're safe through August at least. Excellent. Top three hex board games. It's a uh, board hex, games with miniatures. Hex board board games is what uh, what was yeah. Um, so the board answer is, games. Board games. Uh, so it's Aristea, <laughs> Aristea, then maybe Blood Bowl. That's yeah. That's my top three. Aristea twice, Rich. and then Blood Bowl. How many are there? Like, isn't it just Aristea, God Tier, and Blood Bowl? Like, what else? What else is there? <laughs> I'm denying Shadefire even exists. Ah, Ooh. dude, I don't oh. pay attention to, to 40k. Like, so, to that whole universe. I pay no attention to it. <laughs> I'm going with God Tier because it has a dude named Sneaky Pete and it has rock golems and little rock goblins. That's, their, that's like that's like three things that I want right there. Um, I, mean, I mean, yeah. If then I'm going to say... Out, if they figure out how to make the game good, then it will be great. It doesn't need to be good. Uh, it just needs to have Sneaky Pete. Sneaky Pete. Sneaky Pete. <laughs> yeah. Now, so, now, now I wish there was a, a miniatures of like Nerushima Hex. Like, God, I wanted to add that in there. <laughs> I'm going to say uh, Flames of War. I know it's not traditionally considered Wait. a hex game, but as we've learned from Overtuned, a word can mean anything with the right context. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's uh, cheating. Uh, that's uh, and then I'll then I'll throw. Uh, I'll say Aristeo as long as they have uh, two more models released that look good. All right. <laughs> Next. Oh, man. Uh, if Earth, and then our final one, if Earth entered a universe team championship as opposed to world team championship and you guys couldn't enter, which three Guild Ball players would you send to represent Earth and which tiebreaker would screw them? Did you pre-think of one on this, Chris? Or, I, I, I have thought of one nominee. Oh, just what? Just one two person? nominees. Okay. Yes. Well, do you want I to have... figure out your team? I have my team. Um, I have to figure out how to say the the second part without uh without. I'm just gonna put a. You know what? No, I'm. I mean, no offense <laughs> is intended by this, but yeah, let's just go with it. So my universe team championship team um is. Jordan Nock, uh, Christian Metz, and Charles Nurser to represent Earth. Um, they would win all their games. However, they would be disqualified uh, at the final round because the judges are not convinced that they are actually people and not just robots made to look like people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go <laughs> with... Uh... Jared McGraw, Pete Williams, and hmm, I don't know, just uh, whoever you can really find. <laughs> like, what? just this I'm going guy. with like, yeah, just some guy who's like not who's like a good example of a good human. Like, what? Like these these people have. Like, I've had discussions with Pete, and he's always, like, really cool about how he goes about 
considering balance and like you know you can disagree with him without it being an argument jared he's just always a pleasure to play against and then i'm sure we can find anybody who's like a good drinking buddy and what we really need to do is send people who are good um what do you call diplomats for ambassadors sure yeah (laughs) ambassadors for earth like we don't need to just stomp these aliens we need to like make sure they're cool with us okay because obviously Uh, they figured out what guild ball is (laughs) rich do you have one (laughs) um i don't i mean i I don't know who I would send. I would send anybody besides Pat, and that's only because the wait, 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 wait. hear me out. Why? And that's because that's because the tiebreaker would be that they don't have enough van value. Uh, beautiful. Um, I have another oh. one. Wait, I have another one. Ready? <laughs> send any three Kiwis, um, <laughs> which is about the entire population. So send the three Kiwis that play Guild Ball. Um, and the tiebreaker that would screw them is the um, number of mallets in their lineup uh, would cause. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think we've been pretty precise on this. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right, guys. Till next week. Or next right. couple. No, wait, sorry. Not next week. I'm getting married uh, in several weeks <laughs> at some point. All right. Keep All right. Schedule. I like it. No.